0: All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. Today we're going to do a deep dive on the association. It was a better weekend, Drew. I feel like we're going <laughs> to bounce back up off the mat. I very much enjoyed the Florida Panthers game last night. There's nothing like seeing a Boston team uh, with the best record in history or whatever go down in flames. It was absolutely glorious. The association yeah. was a little bit kinder as well. How was your weekend?
1: Yeah, I mean, Game 7 of Warriors-Kings was the bailout of all bailouts for me. I will admit it, after the Grizzlies, you know, the gutless Grizzlies, completely no-showed in Game 6 against the Lakers, I was on tilt Uh, between the draft and that series going so poorly for me. I was, uh, I put a a little, I overstaked, we'll say. I overstaked the under on Game 7, and the fact that that landed at 220 was uh, was, was a huge, huge sigh of relief. So I had a uh, lovely Sunday, uh, closed the month of April with a win, <laughs> closed the week with a win, so my figures don't look quite as atrocious as they would have otherwise for uh, this last month. But, uh, you know, I I, I got to say, I'm excited about round two of the NBA playoffs. All in all, these should be some fantastic series, uh, a lot of moving parts, a lot of fun things to, uh, to try to wrap your head around. So, uh, yeah, this is a good time here.
0: Yep, absolutely. All right, let's bring in Amy fadul Kane of NBC Sports Philadelphia. Amy, great to see you. Uh, Let's talk about Celtic Sixers, which unfortunately is not looking like the series that it might have been a week or so ago. Um, But still, plenty to talk about here. Uh, But it starts with Joel Embiid. Uh, everyone in Philadelphia and America Mm -hmm. is looking at that man's gait to see (laughs) what he's going to be like in this series. Uh, What are you expecting from Joel?
2: I mean, I'm expecting him to play at some point, but that's the big question, right, guys? I mean, when is he going to play and how will he look? What will he be wearing? Uh, Will he be wearing a knee brace uh, when he comes back? We all remember a couple of years ago when he came in as the masked man so it's it, this is it's deja vu. It's Groundhog Day. It's everything all rolled into one here in Philadelphia. It's a, a day that ends in Y and a month that has the number <laughs> five in it. You know, it's this every single year you're thinking, can we get to the playoffs healthy with Joel? And the answer, unfortunately, has repeatedly been no. The only year that he was healthy was the sweep by the Celtics in the bubble. No. which didn't help it you know Ben Simmons obviously got hurt in that one but yeah this is uh you know the expectations are monumental this is a team in the Sixers that have not gone past the second round since 2001 they know that we all know that I actually i talked to pj tucker uh, the other day and he was like i wasn't aware of that i'm like well, it's because you're new here like everyone <laughs> in philadelphia knows exactly the history and what's at stake and pj tucker actually even if he didn't know that to the degree, the 2001, he knows that this is when the playoffs start. He said that after they they swept the Nets. The first round is gravy and all that. Here's this is a guy that's been to the mountaintop. He said, listen, this is when playoffs start. And he said just this week, he said, if we don't have Joel Embiid, that sucks. I mean, that, that was a quote. That's a direct quote from P.J. Tucker. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's concerning. Listing him as doubtful. Uh, Joel Embiid for game one. He made the trip, uh, obviously, to Boston in hopes that he can play, but it doesn't look good for game one. And I think that You know, the the line's going to show you that. You guys are seeing it. I mean, if Joel goes, that'll swing a lot more, I would think. I would think it would be cut in half about. It would probably go from, you know, seven or eight to four. But right now it looks like he's not going to play. And that's, that's huge. They have proven that they know how to win without Joel. They've not proven how to beat the Celtics without Joel. So that's a thing.
1: Yeah, from what I know, this is the type of injury that would take four weeks to recover if it happened in the regular season. So the idea of throwing him back out there, number one, not only not only is it unlikely that he will have recovered in time, but you risk greater injury. And this is mm-hmm. this is the MVP of the league. I don't know that you really uh, you know put him through this uh, at the at the risk of uh, you know missing a good chunk of next season if something happens. So I uh, wouldn't expect him to go. And in general, his physical play style it seems at least like mm-hmm. he's gonna need to figure out a different type of way to conduct himself in the playoffs if he's going to ever have a healthy run because something about just the nature of playoff basketball seems to uh, be a magnet for him to have these kind of meaningful injuries but um, let's kind of pivot away from Embiid a little bit and I'll ask you something else about this series so um, Doc Rivers is he's a good coach he's a good strategist presumably like in the back of my mind, if Embiid misses the first couple of games, that gives him a little bit more in terms of chess moves he can do. He can surprise the Celtics, maybe even with what he wants to do with his uh, rotations tonight, even which m- might might be some somewhat of an advantage in the first half at least. Um, but over the balance of the season, you know, people kind of point to the Sixers. Uh, you know uh, Celtics matchups as one sided in favor of the Celtics, but they followed a pretty clear arc where every game the Sixers were more and more competitive until ultimately mm-hmm. winning uh, down at the home stretch of the season. Uh, do you think there are specific matchup problems with the Sixers against the Celtics, or is that all just a bunch of uh, narrative nonsense?
0: So it looks like we might have lost Amy um, while she's coming back in. Uh, I think you know one thing with this game, the line has now gotten out to ten. Total is 214 and a half. Uh, I think that – do you think there's any chance that Embiid goes just because, I mean, he was at shoot around today um, and, you know, the expectation certainly from the market is that he's not going to play. Um, are you completely putting a line through him for game one?
1: I'm putting him the line, line through him for game one and game two. I think they took him to kind of be a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of an uncertainty you know, just you know, just an air of of mystery. But uh, I would be surprised if he plays in either of these games. This is a meaning. This is a serious injury, and uh, yeah, I would I would expect that uh, we don't see him uh, until the later stages of the series, if at all. So, um, yep. color me a pessimist on the Embiid front.
0: Indeed. All right, let's bring Amy back in. I think We've got her back. Um,
2: I'm back. Uh, all right, you're back. I'm Amy. back. Um, I'm back. Yeah, just like so Embiid, I'm back.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, so i I've been backstage
2: yeah. listening. But, uh, you know, yeah. Drew, you were asking a little bit about some matchup nightmares, and you've seen that with this team. Obviously, we know how well Al Horford's played, but I think you know, some of the wing players are going to be problematic. Tobias is as best as he's playing, mm-hmm. uh, certainly defensively and offensively, but Marcus Smart is always going to be a problem, and Jason Tatum is a problem for anybody when you think about it. So there's a lot of individual matchups that I think create some issues for the Sixers. Athletically, Tyrese Maxey can match uh, anything the Celtics are gonna bring. But after that, it kind of falls off. James Harden, for all of his greatness at passing and shooting, he just, he's lost a step. He's never been that athletic guy, right? He's never been that guy. He's more of like a, we call him like a glorified YMCA player. And I mean, in the nicest way possible, the best YMCA player you ever did see. But that's just not his game. He's a, he's not a guy that's going to razzle dazzle you. Um, He's just going to outthink you and try to outsmart you, but he's not going to out athletic you if that's a word. So I think that there's some issues on that front. Um, And Maxie for all of his improvements defensively, he still is uh, uh, not quite there with the rest of the team. Um, I think he has improved in that front quite a bit Um, leaps and bounds from where he was certainly his rookie year and even last year, but you know, that's, you mentioned the physical style of play, and that's what you see in the playoffs. And that lends itself to a certain degree to some of the Sixers players, like P.J. Tucker and DeAnthony Melton. Um, I think that those guys show that, that kind of bulldog mentality. Mm-hmm. Tyrese Maxey can outrun you, but then the other there's, a, there's some the big question marks there. Um, Paul Reed's been a real revelation. This will be interesting to see how much he goes, uh, given Joel Embiid's health, because he's made leaps and bounds in the last year of the season doesn't do the dumb fouls, um, doesn't make the the silly mistakes, but of course, it's a very small sample size that we've seen and going up against Nick Claxton is not the same as going up against uh, some of the Celtics players.
0: Indeed. Uh, Amy, last one for you. I want to ask you about James Harden who's had a really weird season where Mm -hmm. thought he was incredible the first three quarters of the season. thought it was a joke that he wasn't an all-star. Also a joke that Jimmy Butler wasn't an all-star. I'm not sure how people feel about that now. Those guys should (laughs) have been in there. Uh, Harden, Think back to that game that he had against Milwaukee to end their winning streak where he was the best player on the floor mm-hmm. game with Joel and Giannis. And then, you know, he gets hurt towards the end of the season. He didn't look great in the Brooklyn series. I thought that game four in particular without Joel, he just doesn't didn't seem to have that explosion that, you know, forget about his Houston days. That He didn't have the explosion that he seemed to have six weeks ago. So, mm-hmm. you know, what have you seen from James? What have you heard about his state coming into this series?
2: Yeah, I think he's a little bit banged up. We know that he dealt with that hamstring injury last year and it's kind of reared its head in ugly in ugly ways other instances, like not necessarily the hamstring per se, but it's kind of manifested its way. You've heard about some foot injuries and some knee tweaks and things like that. But I think that that's all kind of interconnected. I think when these guys go through the rigors of the season, obviously no one ever enters the playoffs 100% healthy. That's just impossible after an 82-game regular season. But he definitely looks – I, Hobble is probably too strong of a word, but he looks limited at times. And I think that when you're trying to run the style of offense, especially um, against very physical teams, you do worry about how that's going to be for him because they know that. I mean, if, if any opponent ever is going to exploit whatever weakness you see. So if you watch James Harden, even in practice, even in warmups, you can tell there's a little bit of a hitch uh, when he's going up and down um, the court. You can tell there's a little bit of pause. And the thing is, he's such a good player, to your point, Jay, that he can kind of overcome some of it. But you're starting to see the cracks in that surface. And you're wondering, all right, well, you've had a week and a half off now. I know you went to Vegas. So let's like, you know, let's get it together, James Harden, a week and <laughs> a half. Put yourself in a hyperbaric chamber, whatever you did out there, and let's go because this is, this is where legacies are made. And his legacy right now is a great player that's never won it. Um, and I, I will take one thing with your all-star game i think at one point after all of the people canceling for injuries and everything else i think they came to him and he said it's in salt lake no i'm <laughs> oh, good i'll just stay here i'll go wherever i'm just kidding you probably do that, but it wouldn't surprise me
1: we could go on and on about the all-star game Embiid wasn't a starter yeah. What? <laughs> what? uh They yeah, and oh, by the way, two of the two of the five starters finished in the Western Conference. uh yeah. One of them not on a playoff team, but we'll get yeah, to that. Exactly. We'll we can exactly. talk about that another day. Yeah, yeah the Jimmy Butler
2: thing is just mind blowing, mind blowing. But yeah, <laughs> don't they, they don't know what they're doing. But yeah, Larry Markenton got in, so good for that because he's in Utah, yeah. so <laughs> it's close enough.
0: Oh. Well. I feel bad, Amy, because I feel like James Harden has become underrated historically, and he just hasn't yep. he opened himself last year. He doesn't look like he's going to be in, himself this playoff. So I feel bad for Joel, who gets this tag of being, you know, so injury-prone where, I mean, he fractured his orbital bone twice. On yeah. a freak uh,
2: on freak play yeah. From, yeah. His, from his countrymen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> his
2: countrymen <laughs> yeah. took him out.
0: Unbelievable. So hopefully... Uh, hopefully, it can turn health wise. Hopefully, Joel can, you know, fully be himself by game three, which seems unlikely, but it's still in play. Hopefully, they get uh, a good, hardened series and, you know, and we have a deep, interesting series. I don't feel super optimistic about it, yeah. but apparently it's, uh, it's in play. So, hopefully, it breaks that way. Uh, Amy, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell us where to follow you on social media and, uh, and what you're working on?
2: Absolutely. Well, um, for all of those watching in the Philadelphia area at 630, we have our pregame live ahead of game one. That's on NBC Sports Philadelphia and of course streaming on the NBC Sports app. Don't forget about that. And you can find me on Twitter, NBC. You can see her Amy Fiddle, NBCS. That's also on Instagram as well. We post some behind the scenes stuff and of course give you some good insight from uh, Jim Linum and Mark Jackson, my co-hosts on pre and post game live. So we'll see you guys tonight. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Awesome. You're the best. Thanks, Amy. I appreciate it. Good seeing you. All right, before we talk Warriors-Lakers, a reminder to download the RotoWorld World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. All right, Warriors-Lakers, uh, <laughs> a series that's been, I guess, kind of looming for a few days now. Uh, Warriors... Their opening price is all over the place. Some places opened minus one thirty. Some places opened minus two hundred. It has settled in between. Warriors minus one sixty. Lakers plus one thirty. I think this is about right. I don't feel strongly about either side. Uh, Big picture, I am kind of out on the Warriors. To be honest, just in terms of what they showed, not just in the Kings series, but I just don't think there's any precedent for a team being this underwhelming in the regular season, being this underwhelming in game one, the fact that they closed one and a half point dogs on the road to the Kings mm-hmm. in game seven. I don't think the Nuggets would be closing dogs in a game seven at the Kings. Like I think that the the Warriors have fallen down the pecking order a little bit. But what are your initial thoughts on this series?
1: Well, last week when I was in uh, a pit of misery about the Grizzlies, I was saying I just want them to pull off the Band-Aid and lose so that we could get a good price to fade the Lakers round two. I have completely come off that stance. Uh, I I agree with you 100%. This looks like a bad matchup for the Warriors. I think the Warriors are in trouble in this series. And if gun to head, you made me take ace position, I'm taking the Lakers at the plus money price. Mostly because I think the Lakers have an advantage early in this series. Uh, the quality of defense we've seen from them in this playoffs is notable. Um, and in particular, their ability to counter speed to play unbelievably well in transition, I think, uh, is is meaningful because the Warriors have been getting a lot of cheap points that way uh, for going on most of the season, particularly in these playoffs. I think this is going to be a huge, huge uh, adjustment for them coming off of a King series where there was literally... You know, no defense at the rim. Uh, And now you get to go against uh, Anthony Davis, who's playing at an all-defensive level. Um, It's going to be interesting to see if they can uh, find ways to overcome that. The Warriors are going to need good shooting uh, in order to advance in this one, I think. Uh, And I think the Lakers, if they can get the same type of contributions they've gotten out of their bench so far in these playoffs, uh, then they're alive to win this series. I like the Lakers mostly in game one. Uh, I think five points on the open was laughable. This should have been more like a two, two and a half point uh, margin, in my opinion. I don't see a ton separating these teams. And the fact that you have Lakers with the rest advantage, I think, matters. So uh, Lakers can get a win uh, in one of these first two. Uh, And then we know know the Warriors have had difficulty playing on the road. Uh, all, all season long. Uh, I don't think that changes all of a sudden on the fly here where they have to go to a hostile environment and, you know, at, at the uh, uh, crypto.com, I guess it's still called. Crypt. Um, the crypt, yeah. Uh, but whatever the case is, uh, you're getting enough out of Anthony Davis in these playoffs that I think the uh, the Lakers need to be taken more seriously. And, you know, I'm, I may be talking to myself in that regard.
0: Yeah, I think a couple things with this series. One, Uh, in terms of the Warriors falling off and not being the team they were last year, I think the the big thing with this team is that Jordan Poole has just turned... Into he's just been useless, uh, and I think a bit of that is the ankle injury that he's carrying. But he was he was having a pretty bad season before that, at least relative to expectations. And he kind of he receded in importance during the playoffs last year, where you know he wasn't playing 35 minutes a game in the finals or anything like that. But just the fact that he's fallen off. Now the team, like Steph Curry's is the only guy on the team who can dribble uh, right now without turning the ball over, like Paul. And so I think that the team has just become, you know, hugely, hugely dependent on Steph in a way that they weren't last year to the same extent. Uh, and the defense isn't at the level that it was last year. It's just weird, They're bringing Draymond off the bench for a couple of games. Like the whole There's just a bad vibe around the team, and they're needing Curry to put on his cape just to win games against Sacramento, uh, let alone make a charge to the finals. So there's that. And then I think with the Lakers, I think Anthony Davis right now is playing at an MVP level. I think a yeah. little controversial, most people wouldn't agree with this, but I think the level that they've both been playing at this season – like, I don't think Anthony Davis is significantly worse than Giannis uh, in their current states. I think Davis is a better defensive player, uh, and then offensively, I don't think the gap is as big as it once was. Given Giannis is shooting 35% outside of uh, three feet, so I think when if you look at Davis in that light, where you know he's an MVP level player, uh, then the series prices begin to make a bit more sense. So I would lean Warriors. Uh, I would lean Lakers at the current prices, but I don't feel amazing about this. I think that. The Warriors rating is pretty fluid, where you know they could come out, they could snap out of it, and Paul could look healthier. Uh, and they could look like the team that won the title last year and kind of embarrass Boston towards the end. But I think that team is likely gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's pivot to finals MVP. There's not a ton of prices in the market that I think are that appealing now. I think that you know there's just a lot of margin in this market. I think there are better ways to bet, uh, the. Bet the teams that you think that are going to win. Tatum's the favorite of plus 220. Then Curry plus 500. Don't agree with that. Jokic plus 550. I think the most interesting one to talk about conceptually is just the division of equity on the Lakers, where if they make a run where, you know, previously LeBron, every team that he's been on, basically he's been, you know, on the Cavs, he was basically 100% of their equity. And then the Lakers in the bubble, he was still probably 80, 85%. I think that's beginning to shift a little bit towards Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what would you make top of head the breakdown between LeBron, AD? Is it 70-30? Is it 60-40?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, this is uh, conditional on them beating the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals, Jay. So I give them 0% times whatever times he should have, probably 65-70% of the share. Um, I'm being a little tongue in cheek here but uh no I think your point is correct which is Anthony Davis should have more of the win share than he does uh should be something like 65-70 um but the Lakers in general um as in you know as I'll, I'll positively spin for them in this series for the next two weeks happily uh, I think they're going to be a good bet based on the way based on this game one market especially I think they're going to be a good bet in a lot of these games um that said, uh, I will be uh, excited to see that series opening price if the Nuggets come through and the Lakers uh, dispatch the Warriors. That'll be that'll be a fun one to bet for us, I think.
0: Yeah, I think <laughs> we'll be heavy on the Nuggets. Uh, and before we talk about Suns Nuggets, every season is draft season. Get your World draft guide bundle today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. Packed with profiles, rankings, projections, order today and get all three World draft guides for the price of 2 Plus, use promo code Berry and save an extra 20% at checkout. So with those Nuggets, uh, the Nuggets' Sun series price has been inexplicable to me from the start. Yeah. The fact that the Nuggets were three-and-a-half-point favorites at home in Game 1, but were plus 125 to win the series makes no sense whatsoever. I still don't think the series price makes a ton of sense, given that the Nuggets are now four-and-a-half-point favorites uh, in Game 2. And I think the best bet to make in the NBA right now is betting on the Nuggets to win the West. It's plus 200. I mean, if you shop around, it gets plus 225 out there. I mean, the current prices, you can get prices out there that imply that the Nuggets, on average, are going to be underdogs in the Western Conference Finals, which I think is just completely wrong. They'll clearly be favorites against the Lakers. And the fact that the Nuggets are four-and-a-half-point favorites in Game 1 and the Warriors are four and a half point favorites in game one against... Uh, sorry, the, the Nuggets favored in game two and the Warriors are favored by the same amount in game one against the Lakers and the Lakers are worse than the Suns. That would imply, you know, there's more context beyond that, but that would imply that the Nuggets are better than the Warriors, according to the market, uh, and thus would be favored with home court over them. So I think the Nuggets will be favored in the Western Conference Finals uh, and that <laughs> is the best bet on the board at the moment but what do you make of game two nuggets Suns? yeah
1: uh lean nuggets but didn't play at four and a half i think um we're getting close to fair uh on that one uh adjustments are available for the suns i'm not sure if you kind of digested the way that the suns decided to run their offense in game one but um Taking that many threes is not a sustainable strategy. They are almost certainly going to have to come up with some way somehow to, uh, you know, make the Nuggets respect the, uh, you know, defend the three point line uh, instead of packing the paint. And uh, I would guess that that comes with more three point attempts in some, you know, some fashion. Um, And uh, for those reasons, I think the total is a hair low at 227. Uh, I make this 229. I think the over is a fair bet. Uh, Suns team total over, Nuggets team total over. Uh, I could see both of these teams getting into the 120s. Uh, I do not think this is going to be a defensive uh, showing for either of these squads. Uh, and yeah, I'm I'm expecting a pretty free flowing game, pretty high pace, and pretty uh, high offensive efficiency here. So, uh, over for me uh, in the um, in the nightcap tonight.
0: Yeah, just uh, quickly on this one, I think the idea that. There's an idea out there that the Nuggets match up really poorly against the Suns because of what the Suns did two years ago to Jokic when Paul and Booker shot 55% from mid-range. By the way, uh, Facundo Campazzo, I think, was starting for that team. Like, There's <laughs> a much to read into that, I think. And I think what we're seeing, well, so, it was one game, but at the same time, like I think the Nuggets actually match up pretty well with the Suns because the Nuggets' deficiencies... You know, in theory, a Jokic at the rim while this team doesn't get to the rim at all in Phoenix. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then Jokic having to be out on the perimeter guarding guys like Steph Curry and Damian Lillard and having to put two on the ball and, you know, the defense then in rotation and the Suns jacking threes. Well, the Suns don't take any threes at all. And then there's this idea that Aiton is the Jokic stopper because he had a good series against him two years ago like Aiton's not at that level at all he's fallen off completely and this the idea of this Suns team is that they had four all-star level players if they've got two and a half instead and Aiton is checked out then this team is not nearly as imposing um, as the idea of it was a couple of weeks ago so Mm -hmm. I think the Nuggets are going to win this series Uh, I think the line for game two is fair but uh, I think Nuggets futures are the play All right. Mm -hmm. don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages thanks everyone for listening to us in podcast form or watching us on the NBC Sports YouTube channel, I'm Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. We'll see you tomorrow.